Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. For me, sometimes I was crawling through the pain. Sometimes I was sprinting and sometimes I was limping and just hurt and just dragging the other leg but I always had to keep moving and keep feeling it and saying, you know what? I've got to process these emotions because I don't want to keep stuffing this down. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for my kids. And so having someone that's neutral to be able to speak into your life and say, you know what? What you think is healthy right now is not necessarily healthy. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 15 years. And we have four kids. That's like a thousand kids. We've been foster parents to four kids as well. And we're running a business together. That's a lot of things. It is a lot of things. But we know that it's possible to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we get through all the things, this is Rise Together. It's funny how many podcasts we've done that have started with So We Met on This Mountain. It's real. Because we met so many rad people on the mountain. Right. I agree. It was an incredible, incredible day. I'm trying to remember exactly how. Like, I feel like at just some point we ended up all walking in the same area. And it was like, well, who are you and what do you do? Because I'm trying to ignore the fact that this is the most painful moment of my life, trying to walk over the top of this mountain for the eighth time. Oh, yeah. I and mean, it was day one, so I could still talk. Day two, you would have just got like mumbles. Exactly. Well, was this your first time or you had done it before? No. I, I The biggest thing I'd done before that was a 5K. I no. Wow. Wait, how, remind us, how did you how did you get involved with it? Yeah, so, um, so basically Jesse Isler showed up to our office and sold us all on the idea that we should all sign up for this thing that would break us. And... <laughs> Raise your hand, and I didn't raise my hand. I was like, "No way, I'm not doing that." And then I ran it by a few people, and they're like, "Yeah, you you probably shouldn't do it, Daniel. That sounds too hard." And that's the thing I needed to hear to sign up. It's like, "Oh, so you think I can't do it? Okay." It was kind of a, "All right, I got to do something really hard just to prove it to myself." And, and did I you finish? Oh yeah, I oh, definitely finished. That's awesome. A little bit later than you guys, uh, but I definitely finished. I think I no, I don't think I know. I finished with 17 minutes left. Oh my gosh, so close. That was like my biggest fear was getting right to the 
to the end and like did you see that video footage of the guy that had like three minutes to get to the top of the mountain that was like my greatest fear yeah that was my co-worker so uh he's was it oh congratulations to him he like found the power my gosh but so we're, we're, we're talking about this mountain like forever but on this mountain was when we became friends we got to hear your story and we were like oh my gosh that would be such an incredible message to get to share on the podcast we're, so we're super appreciative that you guys are willing to come in and chat with us yeah no thanks for taking the time to, to speak with us this has been a I mean, even from the mountain till now, it's been an incredible journey. And uh, thank you guys for taking the time to to hang out with us and actually cheer me on on that mountain. I think we were on lap three or four when we ran into yeah. each other. And I had to confess right away. I don't know if you remember this, but I had to confess I hadn't read any of your books. Well, you're yeah, not so the I, demographic. That feels okay. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm pretty sure they're awesome. I just haven't read them myself. So I need to get that off my chest right away. So it's <laughs> Uh, but so tell us, um, will you all tell us how you met and uh, a bit of your story? Maybe you go one at a time and kind of tell your own journeys and then how you got together. Yeah. So I, a little bit of my story is um, I was in fact like living my dream. Um, I always wanted to be a wife and a mom and um, sing and do a little bit of just encouraging women from my home and wherever God opened up the door. And so I was married to a man that was in law enforcement. And in the fall of 2015, we had three boys under the age of three, which was crazy. Crazy. You know, yeah. It kind of felt like whack-a-mole. Like you get one kid down for nap, the next one pops up. You know how it is. It's just yep. crazy. So at that time, I had a newborn, a one-and-a-half-year-old, and almost three-year-old. And so my husband got up to go to work one day, and um, I got a phone call while I was gone. And it was from his boss, and he said, hey, uh, has Patrick been sick um, lately? You know, he fell at work. Is everything been okay? And I'm like, yeah, he's a perfectly healthy 30-year-old man. I just saw him this morning. Like, everything's great. I told him, I love you. I hope you have a great day. You look really hot in that suit. <laughs> and um, so they said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, um, we're going to come get you because it's protocol. We can get you there a lot faster with the lights. And so I waited there um, in the rain for over an hour for this vehicle to come get me wow. and another hour to get there. And, you know, in that point, you're just like, okay, this guy is probably making all the nurses crack up and laugh at his jokes and joke about how tired we were that he fainted at work. I mean, you know, you just, <laughs> yep. like, oh, on, right. You know, I grabbed like, um, you know, special granola bars. I mean, we're just like, okay, we're going to make this work. Everything's good. So I get in front of the hospital and it was just one of these moments that just God just said, Brittany, remember every second of it. And you remember details you don't normally pick up on in life about the people around you or what the atmosphere was like kind of just centered right in. And so I ran as fast as I could into a hallway with um, people surrounding there and saw written all of their faces. And in reality, it really felt kind of like a movie mm -hmm. where you're just like, am I, what's going on? And they pulled back a curtain and they sat me down and they said, Brittany, we're so sorry, but Patrick died. Mm -hmm. um, and his heart just stopped beating and we don't know why. And so, um, at the age of 25, with three kids under three, I became a widow, and my kids became fatherless. And so we just, you know, were really launched into a life that we never desired, never would have picked, where it felt like every death 
of not just my husband, but every death of dreams and hopes that I'd ever thought about really died that day. And so I was placed in a spot that I didn't choose my circumstances, but I could choose how I was going to steward the circumstances I was given. And so it really launched me into a new just stage altogether in life of navigating how to choose life in the midst of death. And several years later is how I met Daniel, which I'll let him tell a little bit of his story. Yeah, uh, mine's a little bit different. I met uh, I met Lindsay when I was 15 at summer camp. It was, uh, uh, I was the kid you just forgot about and she was the popular one. So it took me a couple of years to get her attention, um, but I was persistent. And so met Lindsay, fell in love with her. Eventually she fell in love with me. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just very persistent. That mountain really showed that. That's yeah, exactly what I there you go. You know, and so I said, look, I'm I, like, she's amazing. I, I want to marry her. It's just going to take a lot of convincing. So so work on that. She fell in love with me eventually. And we had a long distance relationship for years. Um, but through all that, uh, we were kind of preparing for marriage. But at 19, uh, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, like out of nowhere. Didn't run the family, no warning signs, any of that. And so that was kind of a wake up call for us, even at a young age. She was 19. I was 21. And so we kind of just got our priorities straight, even at that age of what was important and what wasn't. And so we moved forward towards towards marriage after the surgery, after you know, any kind of stuff that she needed to, have to take care of that. And as we were getting ready to get engaged, so I'm a slow mover, but if <laughs> she turned 21, I was going to ask her to marry me, got the ring, like all that, going to ask her on the certain weekend. And the few days before that weekend, she was diagnosed again, cancer showed back up. Oh. Um, and so through that, it was more serious. Uh, it took a hysterectomy uh, to get rid of everything. And then they said, you're going to have to go through seven months of chemo. And so we launched into the season of we know we want to get married. We know we're called to that, but we've got to take care of this. So we got engaged a couple of days before chemo started and we were engaged for a year. I gave her time to go through the chemo and then recover uh, in time for us to get married. Um, so got married. Uh, clean bill of health for years. And then we decided, hey, we, we still want a family. It may look different than what we thought it would be, but we still want that family. And so we looked into adoption. Uh, initially, my heart was different towards adoption. I didn't see it the way I do now. Uh, and I don't say that in, proudly. I say that in shame in a way, um, but learned a lot about adoption and how that is such a reflection of the Father's love for us and just how that is a choice that, that can impact lives for generations to come. So through that process, a lot of heartache, even in the adoption process, we ended up adopting two children, uh, Ethan and Aubrey. And so carried on our life. We thought, hey, we have what we always wanted. We have the, the family. We have the two kids, the dog. We've got like what we wanted. It just came about a different way. And so we kind of just went on to autopilot. We were cruising through life, happy to have what we'd always dreamed of. And then cancer showed up again. Um, this time it was a lot different because we have children now as a family. And uh, so the battle commenced. Uh, Lindsay fought hard. She, she went the natural route. She went through chemo. She went through radiation. Just so many, anything we could think of and through the doctor's recommendations do, we did. And through a long process, uh, she got sicker and sicker and ultimately uh, in 2015 passed away from cancer. And so the most traumatic, the most heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching day and moment of my life 
having to say goodbye to the only girl I'd ever loved and then have to go home from there and tell two small children that their mom wasn't coming back. And so having these conversations that I never thought I'd have, walking through a season I never thought I would be in and having to choose really just like Brittany mentioned, what am I going to do with this? I, I knew even from the beginning of that pain and that grief that it was too much to be wasted. And that's all I really knew was I cannot waste what I've experienced, the the courage that I saw, the love that, that Lindsay showed for the people she was around, even to the last minute, the way God stepped in and comforted me and the people around us. I just knew it was too great to be wasted. So I kind of made a, I kind of challenged God. I said, God, don't let this be wasted. Let, you know, let whatever needs to happen, happen. I need to make sure that what I've gone through is not in vain. And so entered a season of really going from saying, God, why? And I did ask those questions a lot. God, why did this happen? And when I got to the point where I realized I may not get an answer on that, I started asking God, what? Well, what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. And through that process, uh, God challenged me, I feel like, to be a a voice for widowers. Uh, I was surrounded by a lot of people in that season of grief, but no widower stepped in and kind of walked me through it. And I always missed that piece uh, of the process. So instead of just looking for it, I said, I'll be that answer for other people and other guys that go through that process. And so started helping widowers. Just people came to me and you know, told me their story and said, hey, this guy needs your help and walk with them through that. And that the reason I share that is because that one yes, saying yes to that one uh, opportunity of helping widowers ultimately introduced me to Brittany. Uh, I was helping out a widower uh, who had lost his wife to cancer, two small children, the same story. And through that met, uh, met Brittany, who was a family friend of, of that family. And so when I spotted her, I, obviously I, she caught my eye. And so I said, you know, this is, this is into the grief process where we begin to heal and, and get our perspective, I think, in a better place um, of being healthy. And so when I saw her, it wasn't just what she had been through. I mean, there's a lot of people that go through loss and there's a relation there of you know common ground. But it was more about where she was going that caught my attention. And that was towards healing. That was towards hope and purpose. And that's where I was wanting to go and where I was trying to go. So that common ground of that, that same destination really attracted me to her. And it was a, a quick process. We got to know each other quickly. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you walk through loss, you have a choice of... I mean, really, everyone we meet that walks through hardship or pain or death, they either are bitter because of it or they come out better because of it. And it's our choice in the midst of it. And so meeting somebody that was young that had walked through so much hardship and so much pain, just like I had been walking, and yet he was like, you know what? I am not going to waste an ounce of this. You know, I didn't ask for this story, but you know what? I can choose goodness in the midst of today. You know, like I'm not going to waste the story God's given me and he's not finished with me yet and he's not finished with other people. And so walking through loss, you have a different perspective on how to live life. And so to have somebody that I met that understood that and understood, I wanted to live life differently after going through this. I wanted to raise kids differently and I didn't want to waste these seconds that I've been given. Even if they're hard, they're still a gift to even be able to be breathing right now. And so it was such a a God gift to have each other that we're walking through the same journey. But with that was crazy because we got married and y'all, I thought I was tired with three kids under three. (laughs) So we had five between us. And when we got married, um, I think they just were six, five, 
four, oh. three, and two. Oh, oh my it. goodness. Bless it all. We say we have a thousand kids and we have four, four. which means you have 10,000 kids if you have five. <laughs> <laughs> so real. Yes. So uh, it's, it's so crazy. So I'm uh, so many questions that I think of for this, but my intention is always if people are listening and they're walking through a hard season uh, or maybe they're experiencing loss, could y'all share some of the things that you did as individuals that helped to give you that perspective? I know your faith is a huge component in that, but were there some really tactical things that you did that you feel like helped you navigate past or through that valley of pain that you were in after the loss? Yeah. I mean, for me, one of the biggest um, words that I got in the midst of it was to feel it, not to fill it. Because the reality is none of us like to feel pain. I mean, it's horrible. Who wants to be like, actually, I would really love to feel pain right now. Like nobody mm-hmm. signed up for this. And so we want to avoid pain. And that's how people live their lives is they want to avoid pain. They want to avoid talking about it. They want to avoid talking about grief. But when we do that, we are pushing it aside into a closet and we're pushing it aside and it keeps growing and growing and it comes out and manifests in very unhealthy ways. And so it's often in our lives that people want to not feel the pain. They want to fill it with other things. And I mean, every night I could have filled my time with people and avoided sitting there and realizing, wow, I'm a single mom and this is lonely and it hurts. But instead, I chose to spend those times to feel the pain and to walk through the pain because I didn't want to stay there. Um, Oftentimes, I'm sure you guys have heard in Psalms 23, it talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And it says walking because we aren't supposed to make a house and build it in the midst of the pain and say, you know what? I really want to dwell here. And so for me, sometimes I was crawling through the pain. I was sprinting and sometimes I was limping and just hurt and just dragging the other leg. But I always had to keep moving and keep feeling it and saying, you know what? I've got to process these emotions because I don't want to keep stuffing this down. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for my kids. And for me, that looked like meeting with a counselor on a very regular basis. Um, in meeting with kids' grief counselors to say, you know what, my kids are watching every move I make right now. And in the midst of what you're walking through, sometimes all you can see is what what's in front of you. And so having someone that's neutral to be able to speak into your life and say, you know what, what you think is healthy right now is not necessarily healthy. I think that's a, it's such an interesting thing to grapple with, not at all the same scenario. But I remember when we were going through our foster to adopt. I almost just brought this this up. It's so crazy that you're going to talk about this. And we um, had been placed with twins. We thought, like believed with everything in us that they were our daughters and acted accordingly. And then the adoption ended up falling through. I remember so distinctly thinking these boys are watching how we navigate grief. Like right now, this loss, they are learning in real time what you do when you're hurting. Do you process it? Do you cry through it? Do you talk about the pain? Or do you stuff it away? Do you ignore it? Do you pretend that it's not happening? Uh, We were modeling in real time that processing pain openly, crying, being sad, that like it's okay to be sad. What I was actually going to go to too is like I remember thinking as we were entering another stage of our adoption journey where it felt like there could be something that would disrupt our kids. I had, I think, 
a sense of their fragileness that was just wrong. Like they showed themselves to be unbelievably resilient through things that were harder than I would have ever wanted to put them through. And obviously, neither of you would have hoped that your kids would have to go through something that was hard. But I'm going to assume that there are some things that come out of having to be resilient that maybe is a is a gift. I mean, I hate to use the word gift, but I, I think I have to like try to see it as a thing that can have some kind of positive attribution so that they come out of the other side able to take on literally anything that might be thrown their way. Do you, do you have a sense of that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's gifts and griefs. You know, it's just whatever our perspective and the lens that we look to life, we will see, you know, so we could always find something to complain about if we have the lens of looking like, man, my life is so terrible. There's nobody at 25 that's walking through this and they don't have to wake up all throughout their night nursing a newborn by themselves and hearing their three-year-old crying for daddy and not knowing what to do. And then their one and a half year old walks, you know, wakes up and you're in the middle of night with three hurting hearts crying and you're by yourself. Like you can look through the lens of that, or you can look through the lens and say, there is always something to be thankful for. Mm -hmm. Always. There's always something that we can see that are gifts in the midst of hardship that can only be born out of the hardship. And our kids get life so differently. They look at people so differently. I mean, I remember one time I was like picking up these little pieces of paper and I thought, you know, this is trash all over the floor. And my son goes, mommy, no, those are notes for hurting people. And he watched how I, even when I was walking through pain, I was like, Lord, I'm not going to waste this. So I'd hear about a widow and I'd write a note and they'd say, what are you doing? And I said, you know what? There's so many people that their hearts are hurting right now. And we need to ask the Lord to show us how can we encourage them? And I said, sometimes people are consumed with hurt, but we want to encourage them to hope even when it still hurts. And so they would watch me do that. And so I think that they will get people and view people and life so differently when they have the lens of walking through it with hope. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Can I ask how, like, what was it like to navigate this relationship, you both are coming from this place of loss. So walking into this is so different than if you hadn't been married before, if you hadn't lost your partner, if you, there's so much that's coming into this. And how do you think that there are people right now who don't have the hard story behind them and they're struggling in their relationship? So how in the world are you, were you able to navigate the newness of that? Do you think it's like, well, this person understands at least a bit of what I've walked through in a way no one else can? Or is it just over the top communication? Like how if someone's listening to this and like, man, I am in a similar situation, or maybe they've gone through divorce, and now they're about to, um, you know, go into a relationship with someone else? Like, how did you guys navigate that successfully? Yeah, a lot of trial and error. Um, you know, we, we came out of, you know, we we're both in healthy relationships before we didn't have any bad or negative to say about our late spouses. And so we come into it with this expectation as 
you know, I was a 30 year old and, uh, you know, close, close behind, yeah. like you're laying late twenties. <laughs> um, but you know, we, we come through a season of, you know, getting established. And so I think the best way I can describe it is, you know, you hear about these things, these like poetic, uh, uh, analogies of, hey, you're passing a baton, you know, you're going from one to another, passing this baton. Well, really in second marriages, it looks more like the baton being dropped on the track, uh, either because of death, you know, irreconcilable differences, infidelity, struggles, whatever it is in divorce and death. There's so many reasons why, but that baton's laying on the track and you're stepping in, deciding if you want to pick that up and, and run and run this race. So it's not as beautiful as it always sounds. It's a tough thing. Really, if you look up all these studies, divorce rates are twice as high in second marriages and blended families as they are in a traditional family oh. because so much more stress and so many more dimensions to it, whether it's a child having a tough time and figuring out how to be a dad or a mom to a child that you didn't birth or, you know, not yours DNA biologically or if it's listening to the outside opinions of so many more people, it seems like giving their input that may not be wanted or may not be needed at the time or whatever it is. There's so many things going on around you. It's almost like a hurricane and you're right in the, in the middle of it. And then you have to decide, okay, one communication is huge, yes. but also giving each other grace because there's going to be so many insecurities that surface in this new relationship that may not have surfaced, surfaced at any other time in your life. And you have to give each other grace to work through those because I, I'm a confident person. You know, I, I've you know, worked hard to get where I am, but a lot of my insecurities showed up quickly and I'd never experienced those before. So I told Brittany, I promise this isn't who I've been. You know, this isn't I'm not normally like this, but this is who I am now. We have to work together to make sure we can be strong through this. Mm -hmm. um, so it's extremely hard. And, and I'm saying this as a person who's lost his wife. It's one of the hardest things I've ever gone through is remarriage and blending families. But it is absolutely worth it if you have the same goal in mind. Do we want to do something that will impact generations to come? Mm -hmm. Are we willing to put in the hard work that will carry our children through their life and show them how to face hard things, show them how to communicate and cope with what they're going through? Because they will go through hard things later in their life, not just now. Just because you go through something hard doesn't mean you're done. And so yeah. to us, it was a yes to say, yes, we didn't, we didn't even know how hard it would be going in. We knew it'd be hard, but even two years into our marriage and our family, as hard as it's been, my hairline has suffered because of it, <laughs> Suffering, but I'm willing to sacrifice that if it means an entire, I don't know how many generations to come yeah. will be impacted by our decision to say, we won't give up. We will not stay where we are. We are going to press forward, even if it's painful, because we know that it's worth it. And so that, I think, is the case for a lot of remarriages, you know, okay. people that have been divorced or lost a spouse or whatever the case is. If you're entering a second marriage, something has gone unplanned. Something has gone wrong or something has gone different than you planned. And how you respond to that and what you do with it, it makes all the difference in your personal life and the people around you that are watching. And there's joy. There's so much joy. And I think that's the things that sometimes we miss is thinking like, okay, this happened to me. My life is over. Your life is not over. You know, your chapters of your life are still being written and they are still going to be good. And so choosing that and choosing for our kids, you know, we really focus on having fun because you create memories and companionship and a bond with people that you enjoy being with and having fun with. 
So if we sat around and our life looked like this big grief counseling session, like our kids wouldn't like that, you know? Yeah. But we decided to focus on joy and laughter. And through that, creating a space where every emotion is welcomed in our home and they feel safe there. And having a zone where um, they, I mean, the first time I remember we made them daddy and mommy books. So they each have their own book with just pictures of them and their mommy in heaven and them and their daddy in heaven. And the first day when they came in mail and all of them are sitting down looking at and they're telling these stories to each other and they're finding laughter and here I am in the corner like trying to hold it together not to cry <laughs> yeah. and I thought but this is their perspective and kids are so wonderful about getting you out of your zone and getting you to enjoy life and seeing through things through the eyes of children and to not be all kids based, you know, me and Daniel have fun together and we do have to communicate because you don't want to take a molehill and make it a mountain. And so we want to communicate and have fun together in the process. I wonder, you've been through something similar, but you haven't been through the same thing. You've been through something similar, but you are individually different people who process things in a, you know, I'm going to guess different way. Yep. Is there is there something I, I, this is more curiosity than anything. I, I'm trying to think if I were in this position and Rachel and I had both gone through this thing, I'm a guess that there's going to be days where I become sad, maybe around an anniversary. I, I become sad because of a memory that is different than the days that she might feel that. And I, I'm curious, like, how do you how do you deal with being individuals who are processing something that, though it's similar, is totally unique to your own individual experience. Yeah, there's a lot of grace and a lot of respect for each other because I have to look at things that the sorrow and the hardship that comes with Daniel and that comes with me and made us who we are today. And so I get the best version of Daniel. He gets the best version of Brittany because what we have walked through and given each other the grace to be able to process. And I remember... Um, when we first got married, literally like a month later was our uh, anniversaries of when our spouses passed away because they passed away literally a month exactly apart from each other, which is crazy. And I was like, I am so sorry. I could not pull it together. I mean, the weather, everything was just bringing up all these memories and it was hard. And here I'm trying to like love a new husband and these new kids, but I'm missing my husband in heaven. And I'm like, ah, oh, all these emotions. And I don't want to deal with this junk right now. And I remember him saying, it's okay. You never have to cry alone anymore. I'm going to be here for a shoulder for you to cry on. And he gave me that space not to compete with that, not to try to come in and say, but I'm better. Or, this is better. Or, this is still good. He gave me the space to be me and to feel the freedom to do that. And in turn, it gave us more intimacy together because we had that, which was so precious. It's like, uh, this is such an interesting, like incredibly beautiful, very mature way to approach this. And I'm thinking of listeners who struggle with the insecurity of someone having a past relationship and, and maybe a past relationship that ended badly. I'm trying to think of what perspective y'all could offer to someone who's in a relationship right now and feels insecure about the past, particularly when the memories you hold of your late spouses are beautiful and good. I don't know if I'm making sense, but like 
if you had broken up, if you let's say you got a divorce because of infidelity, whatever, then it, in that scenario, you're like, yeah, that that you've got some negativity. But with your memories, there it's such a beautiful thing. How do you then grapple with, or did you grapple with, coming to terms with like allowing her, Daniel, to like respecting that memory and not letting it sort of eat away at you does that i don't even know if that's a real thing that you experience or i'm maybe i'm just petty and jealous <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i mentioned before it brought up a lot of insecurities that i didn't even know were there really going into it um and so we had definitely had to face real struggles and real conversations but one of the things i always try to keep at the top of the list is that i fell in love with her because of who she was as a result of everything she had gone through, as a result of being loved well by a husband, as a result of the pain that she had experienced. And I never wanted to make her feel bad or, or not enough because of what she went through. I don't think that's fair to enter a relationship and say, I'll only love you if you get to a certain place. You're okay where you are now, but you have to get to this spot before I can really love you deeply. I, I don't think it's even fair to go into that way. Say, hey, if I love you, I love you for where you are. And if you grow and learn and mature in any way, like we all do at some point, then awesome. I've got an even better version of the person I love. But I have to be completely content and satisfied with who you are now and never hold those things over your head or never make you feel insecure about those. And, and it's not always perfect and that smooth, but I think that's the mindset going into it is that, hey, we're going to struggle. We're going to have to talk through some things. But I don't want you to feel like not enough at any point in our relationship because of where you came from and what you went through. And I we know. have to adjust it, you know, because yeah. both of us on public platforms, we share our stories. And with that, sometimes it's hard. You know, sometimes it's really hard. I'm like, OK, I'm married to him. But, you know, he's talking about his other wife who was mm -hmm. amazing. Yet I'm the wife in the front row cheering him on in this and being OK with, wow okay, this is what I'm called to. And there are times where we have to adjust it. And we get back in the room and we have to talk through some things and, and say, you know what? I want to honor her this way and I want to honor him this way, but we need to adjust the way that we speak about this in this way. Or can you honor me in this way? And so having to communicate with that, because I want to be a safe place for my husband to speak to. If he's saying, you know what? That really makes me feel insecure when you say this about Patrick. I want to honor him and I want him to feel safe talking to me and not have to go to someone else saying, you know, it really bothers me that my wife does this, you yeah. know? So being a safe place that we can communicate and readjust um, what we need to. I wonder, this is going to maybe sound like a crazy question, but I can remember a handful of times where a celebrity who lost a partner started dating and the thing that people like would be crazy critical of was the speed with which the this you know partner who was widowed jumped into a new relationship or like you know it, maybe not even a widowed situation but in like a situation of divorce were you conscientious at all of anyone having their opinion of whether you were ready to move on or that there were like did any of the like outside worry of whether you were making a right decision come into the decision to move on or were you like, don't worry about me. I'm going to do what's right and best for me on my time frame. Thank you very much. Uh, the answer is yes, the route's out of opinion. So next question would be awesome at this point. No. Um, 
when we were dating, I was like, I don't want the opinion of everybody else to come in and cloud my, what I'm doing with Daniel, like figuring out when you're dating, what you're doing, you're trying to figure out, is this the person I want to marry or not? Yeah. So I don't want all outside opinions to get there. So we had our people that were in our world before. Okay. Not just in yeah. the midst of Greece people. I mean, I had mentors like since mentors. I was 15 years old. Keyword mentors. Yes, people mentors. that have been in our lives for years. And counselors. In fact, we saw a counselor before we were even engaged because we wanted to go through these steps and be careful because we had kids involved too, you know? And so um, we were really keen on who we are allowing to speak into our life and what we are listening to. And I think that is such a key factor in all of that is knowing where you're headed together, knowing the right timing and being honoring of people in the process too. You know, I'm not going to, you know, when people, I think, which can be really bad is like when someone's like on their first date and they're posting all about it and people are like, wait a second, what is going on? I didn't even know that you were not still grieving your husband or whatever it may be is honoring the time and giving each other the space to really get to know each other without everyone's opinions, but allowing the people that have always spoken into your life and they have your best interests in mind speaking into that place. Yeah. So, so good. They're not cheerleaders. They're not saying, yeah, whatever you think, Daniel, go for it. It no, was they're asking tell me, hard questions. Tell me what's going on. Tell me your thought process and going through it. And, and thinking back, we didn't even announce our relationship uh, like on social media until our engagement. And that was the exact reason why is yeah. because we were very careful who spoke into our, our relationship and into our decisions. And once we had made that decision, whether it was everyone supported or not, it was something we felt very confident in, and that's when we announced and, and moved forward in a public way. And Daniel went through a three-hour uh, oh, <laughs> question by my brothers so, yeah. and my dad. <laughs> 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 just throwing that out there, oh, too. Man. Yeah, so I, can't, I came into the room, and it was her dad and three brothers. And thankfully, they're all shorter than me, so I felt like I had a good time. <laughs> You know, again there and one of them gives me a shotgun shell with my initials on it and oh I was like, my oh. gosh it's really uh, we're best friends now we're good we're good but it was a it was a who are you and you know yeah. why do you want you to get to know our Brittany and all this yes. stuff which was great I mean they protected her and uh so it was just good to see that someone loved and I was her worth it to him oh, so he yeah. went through it so it was worth it I love it well I, I bring it up because I'm sure there are listeners who struggle with allowing those influences that frankly aren't the ones that have been there since 15, the ones that aren't the trusted circle of advisors to weigh in on whether they, the like collective, they are, you know, in agreement with the timing being right for their relationship. And it's like, you, you have to find a way to find the right circle of people and to not worry necessarily about what the collective they who aren't invested in your best interest from weighing in on whether you're ready for whatever ends up being next for you, whether you're coming out of a relationship or jumping into whatever it might be. Um, so if someone, if someone listening has been through an experience like this, they've lost a partner, what resources, if they feel stuck, if they're struggling through grief, if they are um, not in a position where they've been able to see this as something that they can turn into a chapter still being written kind of story, what, what's, what do you best recommend for someone who finds themselves not in that place yet? Yeah, so I think any, any book that's going to give you hope, any story that's a living, breathing place of hope that you can look at and say, you know what? 
they live to tell the story and they live their life. Anybody like that is going to be so good for them. Any books for me, I grabbed a hold of anything that talked about hope that I could cling to. Every widow that I heard about, I would reach out to and I would ask them, what do you wish you would have done in this season? What are you um, glad that you did in the season? And I would learn from them and I would grow from them. I met this widow that was 20 years out and she had amazing kids. And I'm like, okay, this is the lady I want to learn from because I feel stuck. And so walking life through people that get it and can encourage you, but they're not just in the pain with you. They can look from the other side and say, you're going to make it. Your life is going to be good. Your kids are going to be okay. Having people speak that hope and encouragement in life into you is so important because sometimes you're in such a hard season where you feel like you can't even read because you can't even concentrate on words. Um, And so anything that's going to really bring encouragement into your life, listening to music, that's going to be encouraging. Um, Reading books, surrounding yourself with people that aren't going to weigh you down, but they're going to build you up and encourage you in the process and being okay with that and not having isolation. You want people in the midst of pain. You want people that are going to have empathy and you're going to want people that have community. And and those are two key factors. Love that. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So you guys are those things. If people who are listening are interested in following y'all, where 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 do you live in this social media world of ours? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Brittany Price Brooker, um, or, you know, you could just Google us and I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Instagram, Brittany Price Brooker. And then and Daniel O. Brooker. Very original. Yes. Yes. Brooker. We're going to put uh, both of your handles in the show notes. So if anyone is listening and wants to know and follow these good humans and uh, be able to learn more about their experience as their as their story continues to unfold. I mean, y'all are early now in this, you know, what is it? Two years into being married relationship. Yeah. You got a whole yeah. bunch, a whole bunch of story 10, to be written. You got 10,000 kids. <laughs> Hey guys, thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom and your story with our listeners. We know always, always, we we see it every single time, but I know we'll have all kinds of outpouring of appreciation for what this time meant and what your honesty meant to people who really needed it today. So we super appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you you for your heart for others. We just so appreciate that you take your space to encourage people in all walks and all seasons. So thank you for that. 